Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. DNVR Buffs podcast presented by In We Go. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I'm sitting here at the DNVR bar with Ben Girding. How's it going, Ben? It's going really good. It's going a whole lot better now that we've we've got the bar open. You know, there's people coming through on a you know, Saturday evening. It's a great spot to be. Impossible not to be happy sitting up here. I know. This has been great. This is both of our first time at the bar. I got to see it before it became like a DNVR thing. Like we, we were all here for the day that Brandon told us at a company meeting that it was going to be our bar. Didn't really believe it. And to see how far it's come since then, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's from an outsider's perspective, too, just seeing how this company has grown over time and evolved in ways that, you know, you didn't really see possible maybe because it's just, you know, oh, DNVR's opening a bar and it's kind of like really and then you see it in fruition and you see members here enjoying themselves and it's just an incredible experience uh, and it's really exciting to be a part of it's been so much fun and you know i didn't really like talk to him i think i think i might have mentioned everybody like hey we're coming out here but basically i was just like hey ben want to come record a podcast here tomorrow and it turns out you know, ryan and ali are here uh, Eric Weedham's here, uh, Brandon Spano, Lindsey Sauer, everybody's here. Silver Buff was here when we got here. Yes. I walked in, it was like Silver Buff is sitting at the table. It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> it's it's just such a cool hangout, and it's just so much fun to see everybody hanging out together. Absolutely, it's it's different. You know, I'm not really thinking about it as a bar. I'm thinking about it as a place to come hang out. Um, we had some of the brunch menu too. The food so is good. good. Uh, it's it's an all-in-one package. So good. I had the bottomless mimosas. Ben can't. But uh, what what time? I I think I probably ordered those at like two ten, and they end at three, and I got my money's worth. Absolutely. Uh, the waitress said it'll take about three to you know really pay for itself, and Henry said keep them coming. Yep. And so, and as Killed soon as it. three o'clock hit, he <laughs> ever so playfully asked for the bottomless waters, which she could guarantee to him. So it, we it also just, offer bottomless water. Yeah, it's, it's it's also a steal. It's an all-in-one experience here at the DNVR bar. This place is seriously just the best, though. Like, to, to hang out here, you know, I think this might be the first ever podcast recorded in our studios up here. I know those guys have done some stuff down below. Uh, we still have to, like, put in the glass walls and set up the lights and the cameras and all that stuff. Right now, it's kind of like an empty loft. Still pretty cool, though. It's really cool to be able to be the groundbreaking podcast up here. Yeah. yeah. The loft is still kind of in its bare bones, but I think it gives it a little bit of I know, experience, gives it a, a touch of... I don't know. I don't know the word I'm looking for. It's cool. You know, it's cool to sit up here, and I'm sure you guys can hear the music in the background, too, just looking out. It's, it's oh. such a cool place to hang out. I would just like your credit card so I can check out. <laughs> okay. I can definitely check out. Um, oh, it's in my pocket. Yeah. Take uh, This is going to be great podcast. Here, put them both on that. Both on that? Yep. Okay. Look at my boss well, is taking care of me. Oh, yeah. We're closing out. Uh, but yeah, this has been such a blast. Hopefully we see some of you guys out here. Uh, before we get into buff stuff, though, I want to tell you about In We Go. Incredible service. Get free tickets to all sorts of different things. Um, well, I mean, they're not really free because you pay for the subscription. But once you start paying whatever it is, 30 bucks a month, 40 bucks a month, depending on what plan you want, it feels like it's free to just go to all sorts of different things. Sports are going to be back soon. And when they're back, you're really going to want it. The best part is... That if you use the code DNVR, you can get your first month for free. That's four free tickets to just go do fun things. Some of the stuff on there, it's like a $120 ticket. So you're making much more than your money back immediately. So get involved with that. Okay. So, Ben, you haven't had a chance to uh, come on since the sports world went to hell. 
It's been a tough time. How are you holding up? It's unlike anything ever in my lifetime. Um, I, this is going to go down as some of those events that you know exactly where you were when it happened. Uh, you know, for me, it was sitting during a club meeting when I looked down and see that the jazz game was kind of in chaos and everyone wasn't quite sure why. And then it comes out that, you know, Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. And within an hour after that, pretty much all the dominoes started to fall. And the, the, the downside of that was that all broke about an hour and a half before the buffs tipped off on Wednesday. Yeah. And so everybody kind of knew this is most likely the last basketball game because as soon as tip-off happened, the NBA had suspended its season. So yeah. if the National Basketball Association is going to do that, you'd assume that you know the NCAA was going to follow suit. So all that happening in one night, not to mention the fact then that Colorado was upset by the Cougars, it, it was just a shock. And then the next yep. day was just completely surreal, seeing league by league, then make statements about postponing play. And the fact that the St. John's Creighton game was then stopped at halftime because, well, the Big East had canceled the tournament that they were playing for. Yeah. It was just different. It, it was really weird. It made you want to just sit there and listen to Billie Eilish. It yeah, was Billie Eilish, that's your go-to. You know, it's weird. The day that Kobe died, I was listening to Ocean Eyes. Like okay. when I got the yeah, notification, yeah. and that's just my go-to sad song now. Wow, it's Strange, just ingrained. Right? Yeah, it, yeah. Like, if I hear that song, huh. I'll start to get emotional. So that's good to know. We're gonna use that. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Yeah. I know, but it really is weird. Like you know, I'm not like this doesn't mean it's like one of the worst things to ever happen in human history or whatever. But it is like one of the most unique to see something like this take down the NBA and the NHL and the NCAA and all these things that just seem like they're going to go on no matter what. Like, you forget how much power, like, a sickness can have. But that's yeah, the same thing. You're, I was in the Westgate Sportsbook. We're all just hanging out. We start to see that. And we follow it for an hour there. And then we're driving over to the arena for the Buffs game. And while we're in the car, you hear the Rudy Gobert stuff. And the NBA suspended the season while... We're in there. And then you get to the arena, you're like, oh, this is going to be a weird thing. Go meet up with Mike Pritchard. There were some listeners there. And it's like, just strange having those conversations. Nobody knows what to expect. And that's the weirdest part is we still don't know what to expect. Like, typically when something happens like this, you're, you realize, like, oh, three months and then we're back to normal. Four months, there's, there's a reason for it. Right now, it could be that basketball, hockey, all that stuff just starts up in a few weeks. Or it could be a few months. I mean, it could impact football season. That's totally on the table. And hopefully things get figured out sooner, but it just sucks. Yeah, it's the unknown that I think is just killing everybody because, you know, there were talks about uh, the Olympics being, you know, canceled or postponed for the summer. And I don't think anybody really thought that was real. But then it felt like, you know, as time progressed and as the, you know, it started to spread more, it was just waiting for, the sports world was just waiting for one push, and that push just happened to come from Rudy Gobert. And it, it's disappointing for, for it to come from him because, honestly, somebody was going to have to be the athlete patient zero. Yep. So the fact that it's him, I guess, is a little unlucky, and it doesn't help about you know, the video that surfaced uh, you know, of him making jokes about it. That uh. doesn't help the situation, but either which way, it was that one push in the entire sports world just kind of fell off the cliff. Yep. And, and, you know, it's just like, it's just a mistake is all it is. And, like, he came out and he apologized and he's like, I shouldn't have made that joke. It was a dumb joke. As somebody who makes a bunch of dumb jokes, who knows? Like, like I don't know that I could, like, potentially give people a disease that could kill them or their families. But, like, sometimes you do make dumb jokes and you're like, ah, I probably shouldn't have done that. And that's where Rudy Gobert is. What he did just has a big impact. Like, you don't blame him. Like... He shouldn't have done it. He put people at risk. But at the same time, the odds of that happening were so slim. And when he did that, we weren't talking about the NBA subscribing. Oh, there's a big cheer. There's a new member. Look at that. I guess we have a bell when there's a new member and everybody cheers. This is groundbreaking. This is the first podcast that you've actually heard somebody subscribe in the bar. Congratulations. Yeah. This is such a cool place. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty crazy. Um... Before we dig into it any deeper, let's talk about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, if you come here, you can get eight different Breckenridge beers on tap. It's incredible. Um, 
there's no reason not to. If, if you want to try something in particular, well, I guess there's a good chance it's here. But also, you could use the beer locator at BreckenridgeBrewery.com to figure out where you can go to find whatever it is that you're looking for. Um, also, Strava Craft Coffee. Um, be pretty cool if we could get that here, too. We'll, we'll tap for the brunch menu? Yeah, with the brunch <laughs> menu. Maybe, like, you could mix in... I don't know what you mix with coffee. There's got to be something, though. There's, <laughs> there's definitely something. Strava Craft cut with uh, yeah, anything, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so it's CBD-infused coffee. You have back pain, IBS, migraines, whatever. Check it out. Um, see if it can help you. And the best part is if you use the code DNVR20, you can get 20% off your order and get it shipped straight to your door. You might as well try it, especially because nobody really wants to be going to the store right now. So if you need coffee and nothing else... Just go to the website. They'll bring it to you. It's a steal. Okay. Um, so, Ben, you've mostly been working basketball stuff with us. Um, the season is over. As weird as it feels to say that, the season is over. Um, I want to jump into a recap, but before we do that, what do you think of the idea of the NCAA releasing a bracket even though the tournament isn't going to be played? I think it's a good idea just to give some sort of solace to everybody for all the effort so they can at least say, you know, we reached our goal of making the tournament because that's everybody's number one goal. You know, obviously winning the conference is really important, but you want to go dancing. You want to, you know, be a part of that big opening weekend. And so for them to be able to release a bracket that just shows, hey, like this is what we thought these were the best 64 or like 68 teams that you know belong in this tournament it at least would give the players a chance to celebrate find a little bit of comfort in knowing that this season wasn't a total waste because they did achieve you know some of their goals either which way it's just a sticky situation because you know that playing the what ifs game you know if they see their tournament draw and a team gets really excited about it, that might make them upset that they couldn't have gotten a chance you know but when we're so sports deprived, I think that it'll happen, honestly, because networks are craving that interest. They're craving yep. people to get a, give them a reason to tune in. So, But the NCAA's kind of got their back against the wall because, I mean, there's so many different things in the air. Yeah, and I mean, I don't necessarily think they need to release a bracket. You know, you're not playing the games knowing that Colorado was going to play whatever Michigan State in the second round like it almost just make it worse right that none of this is actually happening like seeing what would have happened seeing that Colorado was headed to Cleveland or Spokane or wherever they're going but you don't get to actually watch it that would just be a dagger but at the same time we don't have much for sports we don't get sports and like you were saying you know if ESPN is broadcasting that selection Sunday show still that's going to get massive ratings because that's the closest thing that we could get right now. You know, if you are one of the networks, I feel like you got to do it because people recognize that they aren't getting any anything else. There is nothing else. I think, like, maybe some rugby still going, maybe some cricket somewhere is still going. But, oh, UFC. I think UFC might still be doing yeah. some stuff too, but there really isn't much going on in the sports world. If, if you have the opportunity, you have to fill that gap if you can do it. Right. And, and right now, all that all of ESPN, NFL Network, it's all just conjecture of, of talking about different things. So, you know, maybe this is a conversation piece that you see on Monday morning during one of those, you know, opening uh, segments where they talk about, you know, should the NCAA do this? But I think a more prominent discussion, you know, in a conjecture space is about granting extra eligibility to some of these people and that opens up a whole warm hurl, wormhole of you know different avenues that you could go down that would kind of either you know help some of the seniors out but would really throw college sports for a loop yeah i mean there's a way to do it um figuring out what that way is might be pretty tough you know you look at for example, I mean, the easy stuff is the spring sports. Uh, the Buffs women's lacrosse team was about halfway through its season. It wasn't like basketball where we kind of had an idea. You know, This was a pretty open-ended season. So many things could have happened in the tournament. But at least you felt like, as a Buffs fan, we went for that full ride. 
You know, we may not have liked the full ride, but there was the the disrespect that Colorado was getting early. People saying, ah, it's Colorado, whatever. Them being a little bit underrated because of that. And then going through, winning a bunch of games, losing some games they shouldn't have, um, building up, getting into the, you know, that 16 seed. Those games against Oregon, those games against Dayton. We had a chance to really follow through everything, and it, they, they fell off late, but... I feel like for Colorado, there was closure. If, if you're following a team like Dayton, a team like Kansas, um, I'm not sure that you get that same feeling, but because I'm not following them, I can't really say. I'll also say, though, that if you're following, you know, the Buffs women's lacrosse team, you don't have that sense of closure at all. They were halfway through the regular season. They still had all that to do, the conference tournament, the NCAA tournament. Um, there's there's so many of those sports. And I think the NCAA made the right call by saying, spring sports, your seniors get an extra scholarship. But when you go to basketball, because so much of it was played, it's a much tougher discussion. And there's a lot of things you have to factor in. You know, the, the, the scholarship limit. Are you just boosting that up by three scholarships for next year for the entire team um what if a team ends up with four seniors do they have to cut one of the freshmen to fit under do they get that advantage are you just saying do what you're going to do but also your seniors can come back um all those little nuances again there's a way to do it they can figure that out but it's tough and then you have to think about the money some of the smaller division one schools couldn't afford to pay three four more scholarships there's a lot at work here, and as easy as it'd be to just say, yeah, let them play. They didn't get their full experience. It's not that simple. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head when you talked about teams like Kansas or Dayton who were really excited about the prospect of making a run in the tournament. But I think Colorado, the loss against Washington State, I think that pretty much ended it as far as this team has just lost it. You know, if they had won that season finale against Utah and maybe pulled off that game against Washington State, then you might feel a little bit differently. Like, okay, maybe they got that mojo back, but watching a, was it five or six game slid, slide at the end? Five. Five game slide. It's, it's Probably would have been six. Yes. And so that's the, that's the thing to look at is they were could have been as high as the number three seed in this tournament before the UCLA game back in late February. Now they were probably looking optimistically at that 8-9 mark. And 8-9 games are always close because those teams are so evenly matched. Even if they are able to squeak out a win, you're playing the likes of Kansas. You know, teams of a different level. And, you know, you already saw Colorado, how they did against Kansas earlier in the season. So I agree. I think it's an interesting discussion. But for Buffs fans in particular, I think you write off the 2019-2020 season as you know, you saw the ups and you saw the downs, and now now you just got to look forward to the future and see if they can try and salvage some of that momentum in the middle of the season, try and find that again going into next year. Yeah, and it's definitely different for Colorado because even though I think we had some pretty high hopes for this team, we knew what this team was capable of. We also realized that the goals were mostly to win the regular season and to win the Pac-12 tournament. And they went through the whole regular season. They had a chance, and they did. They blew it. They didn't win it. Um, they, they did the same thing in the Pac-12 tournament. They lost that game. But because those are kind of the goals, and I think the third goal on that list is probably a Sweet 16 appearance, but I don't think that goal was quite as big as the in-conference championships you know this wasn't one of the teams that you're saying if, if you're Kansas you're saying let's go win the big 12 tournament but also more importantly let's go win a national championship right and and that's what this whole season for that team has been about is building toward the end if, if they lose in the first round of the tournament they aren't worried about that you know it's disappointing it's, it's something they wanted but what they really want to do is to win games in the NCAA tournament, make a run at a title. And for them, maybe that closure just isn't there the way it is for Colorado. Yeah, I. it's just so disappointing when you look at the end of this season because I was one of the biggest defenders of this basketball team when you were looking right after the UCLA game because 
I, well, Mick Cronin, he really rallied that team, and you see that in the fact that he was awarded you know, Coach of the Year in the conference. He found a way to win with that team. So after that game, I was someone who um, thought that you know, it might have been just a, a one-off game. And then when you lose against Cal and Stanford again, I was like, well, uh, those games were on the road. Cal, you know, Matt Bradley's a good basketball player. And, but as every game went on, I started to come up with less and less reasons why I could see them losing those games. And finally against Washington State, I, I just lost complete faith in that game. Yep. And even when they had the lead at points, it was just you knew kind of in your gut that this was a different basketball team. They weren't playing the same type of ball that they were against Oregon back in early January. Or even, you know, when they had the big win against USC in the first part of that L.A. homestead. It was a different game. And, and yeah, I think the closure is there. I think your article on the basketball gods shining down on Colorado was accurate because it saves Buffs fans more national humiliation. Yep. Yeah, and that's what it would have been because Colorado was going to the tournament and Colorado was going to be the favorite in the first round. I really think Colorado is going to be upset too. I right. think that if they got in as a 7 seed, they were losing to the 10 seed. If they got as an 8, they were losing to the 9. And it hurts to say, but that's just where that team was. And if you go into that locker room and, and say that, they'd say, no, we were going to go out there, we were going to win, we were going to make a run, and we were going to prove people wrong. We were going to prove Buffs fans wrong. The season wasn't over. The book wasn't written. But I think for a lot of us, especially people who are kind of unbiased, people who aren't pulling so hard for the buffs, or they also aren't Nebraska fans. You know, <laughs> we saw what this team became, and it was not good enough to, to make a move to win a tournament game. Yeah, and, and I, I don't like the argument that the team wasn't trying. I see a lot of that on Twitter, that they weren't putting in the same effort. I just think they got cold at a, at a tough time. Huh. I mean, you see Deshaun Schwartz and Shane Gatling they just lost their touch. They yeah. could not get shots to fall. And sometimes for a shooter, all you need to see is the ball go through the hoop, and then you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. But Schwartz in particular, his outside shot was just a race during that losing streak. Somebody who's averaging going into that five-game losing streak 11 points a game, and he's coming away with 2-3, going 0-4 for 4 at the line in that tournament yep. game. It's just there was— Four in a row he missed. Right, yeah. It, not it, just not just four in the game, four in a row he missed. And you could tell he was in his head at that point. Oh yeah. You know, and you go up to the line and he misses the first one, and then and, you know he kind of tries to shake it off, misses the second one. He's visibly like really, you know, you can see it on his face. And then as soon as he missed that third one, you know, it, you could just tell. So yep. the team lost whatever energy, not energy, uh, you know, physically on the court as an effort, but energy that was carrying them you know, with their high shooting percentages and whatnot. And McKinley Wright and Tyler Bay were left to try and clean up the scraps. And yeah. ultimately, I mean, you, you, saw what, you saw what happened. It was ugly. And, you know, they were missing shots. They were cold. But just blowing defensive rotations, making bad passes, making bad decisions constantly. Like, that's all stuff that comes from practice. And just maybe they all just kind of, like, lost that side of things too and started making bad decisions but also there has to be some sort of complacency there to be falling apart as much as they fell apart like it doesn't feel totally random and especially when you see the frustration when you see Tad Boyle say these guys are asking to be benched you look at the way they're playing the way they're practicing like there's just no way to take their place you see McKinley right out there screaming at people right because he is He's who he is. You know, that sort of frustration. It, there has to be more to it than just, eh, bad breaks, you know? Absolutely. And those are the errors that you shouldn't be seeing from a Tad Boyle team. You look at the, the missed shots. That happens. That happens. Yeah. But it's the defensive breakdowns that should not be the reason Colorado lost those games. Ever. And you talk about complacency, and, you know, they, they pick up the 21st win against USC at home. They had never won 22 games in a season before. They had four chances to end the regular season to get that. And each time they just could not figure it out. And I think that that 
while I don't think the win total in particular is what held over their hands mm -hmm. or heads, I think it's actually just telling of where the program's at is it has a clear ceiling with right around a 21-win team, but you're going to be one of a middle-tier seed in the NCAA tournament. You're probably not going to be looking at a buy within the conference, and you're looking at early exits because at this point in time, the team has shown its weaknesses. It's shown its strengths to, to their credit, but it just they could not bounce back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think those are a lot of good points. They just, as soon as they started losing, things weren't going their way. It seemed like whenever they gave up a run, they just fell apart. Yeah. There was no resilience. All that stuff we saw all season where they'd bounce back, stop a run, counter a run, or even lose a game and come back the next game and win by 20. They had that. They, they might have done that three times this year. They lost a game, won the next game by 20. They just lost that sort of resilience. It just seemed like they were defeated so easily. And it was just in their heads that if a team can score points and they can't score points, well, there you go. That's the story of the game. And if they went on a run, other teams didn't give in that way. And it turned into a four-game losing streak to end the season. And it was frustrating to watch. It reminds me as... I would never, ever want to bring this up on the podcast, but it reminds me a lot of the 2018 football season mm. with just they, – they look incredible. They look like there is nobody that's going to stop this team. And then they plateau harder than anyone could have imagined. And it, it's interesting in this sense because, you know, football team, you pick up five wins, and you're that close. You're just so close to bowl eligibility, and you can't finish it out. And each game – Fans are tuning in because they're, you know, this is the game. We're going to yep, win it. We're going to go to a one. bowl game. Exactly. You just need one. And it felt like that down the stretch of the basketball season. You pick up one more win, you get that first round by in the tournament. And yep. now, hindsight being what it is, we never got to the second round of the Pac-12 tournament. But at least but we don't have the loss. Exactly. There was You're room looking for at this team completely differently. If they pick up one more win, they're 22-9, and nine, and let's say they're a three seed in the conference tournament, I still think then they're sitting there at a six or seven seed. Yep. And also, with one game in there, they're not riding that intense losing streak, and you actually have some hope both inside the locker room and outside the locker room. Yeah, and, and then if they win a game in the tournament, they win two games in the tournament, then all of a sudden you're talking about that five seed maybe. Exactly. Moving up, and they had that opportunity. And if, and if that were the case, I think that Buffs fans could be a lot more frustrated personally about the whole coronavirus thing. Yeah. Be because then it would feel like there was some unfinished business. But when the whole season's built around Pac-12 championships and, and then like a Sweet 16 run, I think a lot of people are kind of split. They, it's just such a clear goal. Win the Pac-12 regular season. Win the Pac-12 tournament. In the NCAA tournament, if you're a really good program, then your goal is win the NCAA title. But more often than not, it's somebody saying you know what, let's win a tournament game this year. And somebody else could say, let's let's go to the Sweet 16. Right. Or let's win a game in the Sweet 16, go to the Elite Eight. And so just because it is so arbitrary and Colorado wasn't one of those teams that you're looking at and saying, they could win it all, which is so disappointing. Because yeah. I think even three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we would have said, you know what, the way this schedule stacks up, the teams that Colorado's playing – they could finish on a four-game winning streak at the end of the season, mm -hmm. win the Pac-12 title, and then all of a sudden be talking about a 2-3 seed. Yeah. And if that were the case, then we'd see it all differently. But right. And, I mean, we were together right after that UCLA loss talking about it as they're going to bounce back, you yep. know, as if it was matter of fact because, like you said, their margin of victory after losses was north of Massive. 20. Yeah, it yeah. was incredible. That was the and reputation. So it was no problem they were going to take care of Cal and Stanford. So – I think there are some teams out there that rightfully so can be, you know, upset about the circumstance that happened. Obviously not upset with the NCAA for making the decision because that was a given, yep. but upset with just the timing of it and just frustrated with how the end of the season turned out. I think those in Boulder and outside that are Colorado fans, I think you saw what this team was and could do. And so if anything else, you can take solace in the fact that while March Madness is one of the most exciting times in sports, you would have been probably very disappointed whether it be, you know, on Thursday or Friday in that first game or at least by the end of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we move on, I want to tell you guys about Mile High Green Cross, an incredible partner of ours located at 9th and Broadway in Denver. 
There's parking in the back, so you don't have to worry about paying a meter or any of that kind of stuff. Um, they use Hyper, so you don't even have to bring cash with, with you, which is pretty rare when you're going to a dispensary. You can get in and out typically in about nine minutes. That's the average time. You got to check it out. Um, they have award-winning products. They have low prices. They have $99 pre-packed ounces. V3 fash oil, or hash oil bulk deals, like five cartridges for $100. Um, plus, if you sign up for their loyalty program, you can get 20% off your entire purchase once per month. And that offer works for current members as well. So check out Mile High Green Cross at 9th and Broadway in Denver and park in the back because that's a lot easier. Okay. Um, before we get out of here, let's talk about next season. Um, the way the season ended, you know, who knows? Maybe the NCAA does go back through and say, if you're a senior, you get that year back. I, I would be really surprised I when it comes to well. basketball just because they were so deep into all of this. But who knows? Maybe you get Lucas back. Maybe you get Shane Gatling back. Um Let's assume that the Buffs don't, though. You still don't know about McKinley Wright or Tyler Bay. Do you have any, like, thoughts there? Uh, my two senses are both coming back. I, I would guess that as well. I think McKinley Wright is the safest bet just yep. because you often see senior point guards coming back to continue with their program. I mean, you look at it with Michigan State, Kansas, programs like that. They're retaining those point guards because also McKinley Wright isn't a generational talent, which is no. the type that you would see go to the draft early. But he's a playmaker, and he has a lot to work on still. But in recent years especially, the, you know, the, the stigma of a 22-year-old versus a 21-year-old, especially a point guard, isn't as big, especially you see Frank, uh, Frank Mason yep. from can from formerly Kansas making the All Star three point contest now with Charlotte. So it is possible. Uh, so I definitely see him coming back, and with Tyler Bay as well. I don't see him as an NBA prospect just yet. I do think he'd be drafted if he were to declare, but I think for him, if he declares right now, he's a fringe first round, second round guy. I think. Yeah. But if he comes back and can continue putting together more consistent games, he could actually be looking at a lottery type pick. Now, granted, I think. Lower lottery, you know, in the mid-teens is really kind of his ceiling unless he explodes next year. But with that being said, he was a defensive player of the year. Yep. Let's say he turns around and does it again. If you're a two-time defensive player of the year in a Power 5 conference, you're going to be getting some looks at guys or from teams just because you bring that to the table, something that not a lot of guys can, and you can be that role player. Um, you know, with that being said as well, I think he needs to continue to work on his offensive game. We saw flashes of it. But at the same time, I thought he was getting a little too content with the turnaround jumper yep. instead of pushing the ball into the paint, which is where they were most successful. And then you look at games where they only have eight points in the paint in the second half. I think it was against Utah was that game. Yeah, he, yeah, that's He changes right. his style of play, his plan of attack, just slightly, and they're winning that game. So if he can you know, kind of get more comfortable in the post, because I think sometimes he's worried about getting pushed around by some of the heavier players in the league, if he can work on that, you're looking at a lottery-type player because he has the defensive ability and has the athleticism, which is something mm -hmm. that is so tough to you know, find in guys and bring out of guys. So if he can work on the things that are easy to work on, sky's the limit for him. So, and, and to also speak on that earlier point about you know, seniors, if they're here or if they're not, I don't think that changes the outlook on next season either because Lucas Seward was a great Six man. I think yep. he had a great shot at actually winning that award. But you look at Shane Gatling, too. He had that explosive ability. But on the flip side, he never found that consistency that you know, I thought I'd see from him. I picked him um, from our you know, um, non-conference award show right yeah. before they played Oregon. I thought he was going to be the breakout player for this team and lead them. I thought we would have saw more games like his action against Colorado State. And it just, it just never worked out. Yeah, and... You know, you can live with inconsistent players, players who give you good minutes one game, maybe not so good minutes the next game, because you can pull them. You can throw somebody else in there. And, and when you have a team like Colorado has, where you have seven, eight, maybe nine guys who are capable of contributing, you don't need everybody on every night. The problem is that he couldn't even find consistency within a game. Right. 
like there wasn't I mean how many times did he score 20 points I, I think it was just the one against Colorado, Colorado State, State. Yeah. yeah yeah like the, there there weren't those games where he could just carry the team where he could give Kin kind of a night off he could he could give you know the the bench guards a little bit of a night off take some of the load off of Evan Batty Tyler Bay you have possessions you'd have a couple possessions in a row but you just can't manage that in particular if you're Tad Boyle you know you don't you can't watch the first four or five possessions and say okay this is a 30 minute game or or this is a 20 minute game for him you kind of just have to let him go and do his thing and see if he ends up a little bit above average or below average for him by the end of the game managing that kind of stuff just doesn't work as well you gotta have you, you gotta know what you have yeah, he's the type that's a network and fan favorite because he can put on shows in pregame. He yep. had a lot of you know fun dunks that he would do warming up. He was athletic. He was explosive, and he also can hit those you know fadeaway threes, those pull up jumpers. He had the ability to hit those, which you know they're going to make a highlight reel. They're going to get fans excited. But if you can't play a solid full forty minutes on the court, then you see what ended up happening, which was they were favoring Eli Parquet because. While Parquet didn't quite have the upside, far more consistent, especially as, you know, the defensive playmaker that he was, he was able to lock down a two, whereas Shane Gatling, I don't think his defense was bad, but it just wasn't quite on the level of Eli Parquet. Mm -hmm. But also, Eli was able to surprise you, and I felt like he hit more open shots than Shane did. If you kicked it out to Eli for for a corner three, I felt more comfortable of him making it than Gatling, at least towards the end of the season. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Um, again, like Gatling was a lot of fun, like you said, but how often did we see him knock down a big shot, you know, a couple times, but then also knock down the next shot he got? Right. You know, just stringing that stuff together. Like Lucas, for example, a few times he did that. Uh, he, he, would, he would make 12 straight points. I think, he, I think 12 was the max for Colorado that he made in a row, but you could see him do that kind of stuff. He could just get hot and you could ride him and rely on him, like work around him. With Shane, you just don't really know what you have there on any given possession. Um, I think Lucas is probably the bigger loss, um, but also you see the guys who could fill that role next year and you feel better. You know, Dallas Walton, likely ready to play some more minutes. You know, we, we saw Tyler kind of add to his game this season you know he basically any shot he could take before he can now take from four or five feet farther away whether it's that little turnaround whether it's just a straight up jumper any of that kind of stuff and I think you see a little bit more improvement from him there but I think that's the kind of improvement where you could see from Dallas Walton um, or even in Evan Batty yeah and he was knocking down some threes his shot started to look a lot better I think both of those big guys could have some touch and neither of them are going to be the shooter that Lucas is because Lucas was a great shooter for Colorado, but maybe some of that loss can be minimized just through the natural development of the guys who will likely get more minutes because he's gone. The the key to Colorado basketball moving forward, something for people to try and hang their hat on as we go into a time where we don't know when we'll have sports again, yeah. is Dallas Walton has to become a pivotal part of this team because... Yep you see how often they were getting beat in the post, not always by a center, but just by someone driving in. But, you know, they struggled against those tall, um, heavier forwards that were just too tall for Evan Batty, but too heavy for Tyler Bay. Yep. So you see Dallas Walton could potentially, you know, kind of fill that void. And I still think that Batty and Bay are going to be this team starting um, starting center and power forward positions moving forward. But if Dallas Walton can actually become a consistent 10 to 15 minute per game contributor who can at least rotate in there and, you know, help out when Evan Batty gets into foul trouble, because that's something that we've seen from him now in two straight years. And you yep. talk about the Evan Batty's yep. big foul. It's, it's a thing. The problem is, is us talking about it isn't going to reduce those amount of calls. Yeah. And so Lucas Seward was a great contingency plan. Because um, they could slide Bay down at the five, put Lucas in at the four, and play, and not small ball because Lucas is six foot ten, but he kind of hangs around the arc more. So it's a different style of offense. Mm-hmm. So Dallas Walt needs to assume that role because you're going to have nights where Evan Batty is already picking up three fouls in the first half, 
and you know Tad Boyle's got to find somebody to go to, and they just don't have you know a Lucas Seward type anymore. So Dallas Walton's got to fill that void. Yep, and and Dallas is totally capable, um, and I think that for him, this off season is going to be huge. You know, how is was that? Three ACL tears. Yep. Yeah, three ACL tears. That's a lot of rehab time. For a big man who's banging in the post, you need to add some muscle. You need to be working on building up parts of your body other than just rehabbing your knee. Right. So last time I talked to him, he said that he thought that he wouldn't uh, be needing the brace next season, um, which means sometime between now and then he'll be back to whatever they call full strength. I don't know. But this offseason, he has a chance to actually put on some weight, work on his shooting work on his passing, all these different things that he just hasn't had time to develop because he's been so busy just trying to get his knees into shape so that they won't blow out again. Um, He could be huge. And then you can even think about if things go really well, maybe by the end of the season uh, you have Dallas Walton starting. Yeah, He's your starting five. Evans, your starting four. Tyler Bay's your starting three. Parquet at the two, McKinley Wright at the one. Who is scoring against exactly. that? Exactly. Automatically, you're a top defensive unit in the entire nation. And, and yeah, Dallas has shown the flashes both in his freshman year and at parts this year too. He's shown that ability to be a versatile offensive playmaker. He's just got to, like you said, continue to grow and develop both physically and you know having that nuances of the game, getting that back. Because when you sit a whole season out and then you turn around and you're only getting you know restricted minutes, it's going to take more time to really get in the flow of the game. So he absolutely has the capability to do it. It's just a matter of him being able to put all those pieces together and you know, become that force. But I absolutely see that as a potential you know, big lineup. You've got McKinley Wright controlling the pace of the game, and then you let the other four guys out there. And there's, unless they're you know, shooting deep threes, I'm hard-pressed to say they're really scoring on you and putting together a run. Yep, yep. And again, that's totally reliant on Dallas Walton becoming a better basketball player than he is right now. But you could very easily see that happen. Um, and the best part about it is that Dallas has flashed. You know, there, there have been moments where you see him and you're like, oh, wow, Dallas Walton could be something special. And as much as, you know, you like Eli Parquet, for example, he doesn't have quite as many of those moments that I think Dallas Walton has where you look at him and say, oh, that might be a difference maker. You know, Eli Parquet brings something very important to the team. He's a very consistent two. He's not going to screw up nearly as much as somebody his age typically would. He's going to knock down a bunch of open shots. He's going to know how to work off of people. But Dallas, on the other hand, he's shown that he can be a really good player. So, I don't know. I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about him. Yeah, and at this point in the offseason when we're in the, you know, the dark times of sports, it's better to talk about those optimistic moments you know, rather than dwelling on the collapse that was you know, this Colorado basketball season. And Dallas Walton presents a, a great, you know, a, a great piece to look at because you look at a seven-foot-tall center who has the ability to shoot from the outside, and you just get excited about the possibilities. So, although you know the last five games weren't great, at this point, it's kind of beating a dead horse to talk about the collapse because we've seen it unfold over the last month. Instead, you know, and we're not going to have to talk about basketball really until you know, next October, November again, but. Keeping that in the back of your mind that this team has shown flashes and maybe that losing streak was just a complete fluke. Maybe they were feeling, you know, the implications of the sports world during that game against Washington State. Maybe if that hadn't happened, maybe they're walking away with a win and then it's a totally different outlook. So heading into the offseason as we're not really going to be looking at Colorado basketball as much. If we're bringing back McKinley Wright, you're bringing back Tyler Bay, you've still got your stars. And your role players are going to continue to develop. Um, you're getting a guy as a backup point guard, too, that was redshirting this season who is going to bring a lot to the table, something that Colorado hasn't had for two years, a true backup point guard. So there's a lot to look forward to. Um, it's tough, obviously, to say that because, you know, just because, you know, I personally go to the school, I'm not saying that because I want them to be good. 
I think it's it's obviously better to just dwell on what's going to be exciting rather than you know, what we just saw. Yep. And, you know, not knowing what's going to happen with Colorado or Oregon or any of the other teams in the conference, I think it's pretty safe to say that if Colorado was a narrow number two preseason pick in the Pac-12, they're probably the favorite to be the number one next year. Um, you can't just brush off the losing streak, I don't think, because it was so ugly. Like, this team does need to reset and improve and all that, but maybe they can fix it. Maybe maybe all it takes is an offseason to just breathe and then get back in there and say, okay, let's do it again. We made it through, what, 30 games or 28 games, 27 games, I guess. This year we need to go 35. And, and you talk about that with the NBA all the time, teams getting to the playoffs for the first time and then getting there and being totally burned out because that's what it takes, or, or winning a series. But, but that postseason takes a toll too. Getting all the way through the season, playing with the kind of intensity, the focus that we saw throughout most of it, it takes a toll. And maybe with a more veteran squad next year, a very similar squad, they can, they can do that. Maybe it's the best part of the offseason, you know? I mean, just ask the Cleveland Browns. They get to hang their hat on you know, six months of actually feeling optimistic. So although yep. everything that we just went through, it was, was tough. It was tough to watch. It was tough to report on because you know this team's potential. Um, it, it still is not a time to you feel upset because, you know, you just look at Oregon in particular. They're losing three, three seniors yep. to the NBA. So yep. that, you know, that's going to drop them, them down the ranks. There is still a path. They just need to, you know, refine themselves. And the, the beauty of it is right now they are being forced to take a step away from the game of basketball, which is sometimes exactly what you need. It's nice that now we can just talk about the season instead of where the team is because when you're in the season, you're talking about what is this basketball team right now? What do we expect in the next game? What went wrong in the last game? It's very much in this moment. But now that the season is over, you can just combine everything we saw from the last six months and say, that was a good basketball team. That was one of the very best basketball teams to come through Colorado. Their highs and the lows, and they weren't all timed up the way you'd want them to be, but they have something to build off of for sure. Absolutely. And I think the same goes, too, for football. Um, I mean, I haven't been on since Carl Durrell was initially hired, but there are still pieces of that football team left, and you look at now his all-star coaching staff that he's put together, which I think on paper is better than Mel Tucker's staff that he had. Yep. So, you know, it's these little parts that are tough because you saw the collapse and everything that we've been through. Basketball, a five-game losing streak. Football, Mel Tucker, you know, heading out to Michigan State. But there is optimism looking forward to the future, and that's I, something to hang your hat on. I agree. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts or comments, um, questions, whatever, leave them in the comment section of the post for today's show at thednvr.com. We'll get to those tomorrow or Monday. Everything kind of runs together at this point. Vegas just threw me off. Even just... if you can't drop them on the podcast, why don't you come down here to yeah. Colfax in York, drop them down, you know, with a beer, and we'll talk to you about it there, and maybe we'll get it on the podcast too, the question. So. And members get a big beer. They get a much bigger beer, it's isn't it? Like massive. six ounces extra just for being a it's member? It's basically another half a beer for the same price if you're a member, if you get a beer here. So if you're in so Denver cool and you're not a member but often find yourselves out, this is the best time to become one because it'll yep. pay for itself within just you know two or three nights on the town. Yep. Okay, that's going to do it for today. Comment, whatever, hang out, tweet, <laughs> come down here. It'll be a lot of fun. See you soon. They like my Colorado sway Cause when I'm in it play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when I'm in it go You know I'm acting bad Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado sway My Colorado sway
added to a fray, uh-huh. cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya, hit ya, hey, hey. you on your own now, why you watching the official, yeah. you just better hope you make it to the next whistle, yeah. and we ain't playing with ya, you can get it anytime, yeah. it started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line, yeah. I call a bottle swag in the middle of the ring,